Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Lord be on my mind and my lips and in my heart. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you, and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. recognize this gospel passage. These are the Beatitudes. It is the beginning of Matthew's gospel. It is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7, when Jesus is going to lay out the whole platform, if you will, for his ministry, for his kingdom. And this particular passage, St. Matthew, the author, is writing it in such a way so that we catch some very important concepts that Jesus portrays to his disciples and that shows us. That Jesus went up on the mountain to give a new law. That is supposed to remind us of Moses. First when Moses went up the mountain and received the law, the Ten Commandments from God. And Matthew's Gospel has already hinted at this. The Holy Family was exiled into Egypt and they had to come out of Egypt to begin their ministry. And so too, Matthew is showing that Jesus is establishing the new covenant, making a new exodus that God had foretold. Matthew is always also doing something a little bit more. Jesus is portraying himself as the lawgiver, which is God. So better than Moses, not simply receiving the law from God, but giving a new law because he is God. This is hinted at in this passage, but then will be made more clear in the week that will follow next 
week and the following two weeks, Jesus says, if you suffer insults for the sake of me, your reward will be great in heaven. A rabbi, a teacher of Jesus' time would never say that. They would say, if you suffer insults and persecution for the sake of God, or for the sake of the law, not for me. Jesus is equating himself with God. And then in next week's passages, and shortly after this in the verses to come, Jesus will say, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, two for two. It's what I say to you. Jesus is equating himself with God for giving a new law. And this is the law of the new and everlasting covenant, the kingdom that he came to establish. And so, Jesus gathers at the beginning of his ministry and proclaims the new law and the new platform, if you will, of the kingdom. And it is earth-shattering. It is totally opposite of what the disciples expected. I think you know the story. But what was often happening in the hills of Galilee where they're gathering is people would gather to talk about their oppression by the Roman government and how to overthrow the Roman government. And so when Jesus gathered his disciples, who they believed was the one sent to bring about the kingdom, they expected a powerful military overthrow. That all the powerful would gather and overthrow the Roman government. But what Jesus proclaimed is the opposite. And it's earth shattering. In my own words, he's saying instead of this being a top-down overthrow that I'm going to implement and you're going to come along with, it's going to be a bottom-up transformation of society that will then change structures and government. Right? Like every single person responding to sin without sinning, forgiving their enemies, showing love and compassion, that is going to transform the sinful structures of our world such that the kingdom comes about irregardless of the government structures that we will transform them from the bottom up. Jesus is also saying that just like Moses started this new exodus and they wandered their whole lifetime in the desert and they suffered much and they never made it to the promised land, so too this job of bringing about the kingdom is a long-term process. And it's going to be hard and there's going to be a lot of suffering. We can see that in what happened to Jesus himself. Right? God would not have come into the world if there wasn't a great need. Things need to change. There is much sin, much pain and suffering caused by sin. That sin then creates injustices, which is sin that becomes part of our system. And there is much poverty. So, how does one who is sinless experience the current sinful reality? There's a conflict. And to face that conflict, not run from it, but to respond to it with love, is going to take suffering. 
happens to be the one who embodies these beatitudes will often happen to you. But he says, you are blessed because of it. Because when you experience that, you know you're on the right side. You know you're working for a better world. And through his death and resurrection, he established the fullness of the kingdom. And his promise, which we now know is true, to come back at the end of time and establish that perfect kingdom will come. And so he says in these Beatitudes that if you are working for peace, justice, showing mercy, you will be blessed. You are blessed because you will experience what you're struggling for right now. I promise you. And I guarantee it. That's the blessedness. And it's not only the blessedness of that assurance of being a member of His kingdom which will come. It's being with Him in our difficulties and our struggles. And He lives in us and gives us the strength to do what we need to do and deserve that difficult time to taste the blood. But there's a corollary to this beatitude, and this becomes very challenging. You see, Jesus is saying that if we are working for the kingdom, we are going to experience difficult times. But let that be a sign of your blessedness. The corollary is it's a danger that we all live in, that we may be too conformed with the world, too comfortable, and we're not really doing what Jesus calling us to do, to join Him in that work for the kingdom, to transform this sinful world to be a little better. Like those who travel through the promised desert to the promised land, we never will see the results. But we're called to continue to strive for that and to struggle for that. Mother Teresa has a beautiful line, we're not called to be successful, we're called to be faithful. Jesus is the Savior, and we should be involved to the best we can in that struggle for love, for truth, for justice, for including the outcast, lifting up the poor, the sick, whatever it may be that you are called to. And so that would be the challenge today. Are we truly engaged in the battle that Jesus is bringing about? There's some things that people have taught me, and I believe, and what I'm saying is that I challenge all of us, and I know you do it, but it doesn't hurt to reiterate, to prayerfully reflect on the gospel, especially the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and reflect, are we in this world doing what God is calling us to do? And I know we can get over guilty feeling about it. We are not called to be the Savior, Jesus is. But we are called to be involved and not too comfortable in this world. And it is true that we, in this area, myself included, live in a very privileged way. I know there's great suffering amongst all people, but we are blessed materially with what we have in this part of the world. And so it is important that we take this exercise to encourage us. Some things people have shared with me. We must look at all the situations in the world and, and help in some extent. And one way to help is the obvious one to give money. We really should be intentionally, just like we shop, 
for the best deal, stop for the way that we help the kingdom of God with our money. I, it is scriptural to give 10%. I've heard it said in the church, and I like it. Half of that to ministries that work with the poor or for justice, whatever cause you may think is important, and half to the church. But it goes beyond giving money. It is important to be hands-on involved in some work of charity. Certainly many of us get plenty of opportunities in our families, and that counts, and that's important. But also to think about, and some more than others perhaps, outside of the family, outside of our area. And so to be hands-on involved with our time and our talent. Other things that I think are interesting, I've heard, and I know it's difficult, but how, what's one way of sharing some of what we have in this area with others? And that is to help train people for different jobs and skills with our education, to consider adopting or being foster parents or sponsoring immigrant families. There are many, many things God may be calling us to do. And today's gospel challenges us and comforts us. We are called to work for the coming of the kingdom, to be agents of transformation, to be suffering to some extent with Christ, but to recognize that we're blessed because of that, and to do it with love and peace in our hearts, but also to be challenged to make sure that we truly do what God is asking us to do. And so, Jesus is like a new Moses to establish a new and everlasting covenant. And just like the people of Israel were called out of slavery in Egypt into the Red Sea, when Moses went up the mountain to receive the law, they received manna from heaven and water from the rocks along the journey in the desert to the promised land. So too we in the new covenant are saved from the slavery of sin and death baptized and received the new law, the Holy Spirit, and the gospel. We're fed along the journey with the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, like manna and water from the rock, through this life to the promised land, which is heaven. But it's important to remember that our final destination is not simply heaven. I often forget Second. Peter, chapter 3, verse 13, book of Revelation, I believe chapter 12, or some 21, maybe, in this one, says that God comes to establish a new heaven and a new earth. If God didn't care about this world, he would not have become flesh in Christ Jesus. When he comes again, he will establish heaven on earth, the Garden of Eden again, what God intended. And so this world is valuable. We are meant to be working towards bringing about the kingdom in the material world. And everything we do will remain as part of that new creation, all that we do for good. It's a phenomenal thought, but it comforts us and it challenges us to be one of his blessed four, sharing our lives with him, bringing about 